23 I don't wanna be 2021, will you think about us? Copper goes green, steel beams go rust It's a matter of Welcome everyone to the New Year's Eve edition 2021-22 of the Light and Shed podcast. Brandon Ross, Richard Greenfield, and Walt Pysik. 2021 was a <laughs> it was a roller coaster for all of us. Um a year where <laughs> My life was changed pretty significantly, and I think all of us had kind of our ups and downs, but um, including all of our listeners. And um, this episode, we're going to recap the TMT portion of 2021 in the context of the predictions that we made at the very beginning of the year, similar to what we did last year. And um, I think we should kind of just get to it right out of the gate. And then all I know is you've been struggling for the last 24 hours to actually get home. And what's funny <laughs> I know, is that's why I kind of like I mean, wanted to move on. I don't even know why I wanted to get home, but I decided I mean, most people don't want to leave Aspen. Like you're the only person I know that is dying <laughs> no, to I, leave Aspen. It's, it's, it's my, in my top couple of favorite places in the world. Um, we got about six feet of snow in the week, but when you ski seven straight days, your legs are done. And when you haven't seen sunshine in a while, it's, it's nice to see it again. It's not sunny in New York, so I'm not sure what you're expecting. What? <laughs> it's not? <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> you can buy a light bulb that, <laughs> that does replicate the sun, I suppose. Really? No, there's no sun for. I want to divert to uh, somewhere in the south. <laughs> um, okay, shouldn't have come home. <laughs> oh. As Walt shakes his head, yes. M- meanwhile, how's sleeping at the Denver airport? Is that awesome? I'm really high end, high end hotel. Maybe I'm just an idiot. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It was stay in Aspen or end up at a airport motel at uh, in Denver. Well, here's the thing about Aspen. There's very, very limited hotels there. So we were going to have to stay with a f- <laughs> my wife's best best friend lives there, but they didn't have room for us other if we unless we wanted to sleep on the floor, which we didn't want to do. So their friend's place, a place that requires chains to get to <laughs> because there was so much snow like snow chains so we also didn't have a car to get up and down there and would have lost our freedom so there was <laughs> there was a lot of reasons behind our departure part of me is sorry i even asked yeah as always <laughs> there's there's always a story always oh well let's get to the stories of 2021 yeah. that we predicted and we can sort of rehash of how they played out. Some worked, some didn't, some are still playing out. So number one for last year's 21 for 21 was Disney and Comcast and their Hulu partnership three years early. Obviously we were wrong. It did not happen. Uh, There was lots of conversation. Um, There was even a renewed Disney Comcast um, deal for distribution of channels. There is a tremendous amount of speculation that something's going to happen early in 2022 but, you know, and I think a lot of this may be tied to, you know, the one thing that hasn't happened for Disney is Bob Iger was still there throughout all of 21. What's going to be different about 2022 is that this begins the Chapik era. And we're going to find out pretty quickly whether there is, you know, real inertia, real, real desire to do something quickly. If you remember when Iger came in, he made swift changes. You know, he ended up buying Pixar and, you know, I think sort of much as the rest of history. But will Chapek make big changes? We've heard from some of our meetings recently that, you know, something could happen relatively quickly. Others sort of think nothing's going to happen for several years because it's just Seems so like expensive. There's, there's a real valuation gap here. Um, 
I, I'm looking at the slide and it says at a minimum Hulu valuation of 27 and a half billion. And isn't it our belief that the ask now by Comcast is at a valuation of like 81 billion. So yeah, that's And let's that's just say you split the difference. Uh, yeah. No, and, and let's just say you split the difference. Let's just say it's let's just say it's 45 billion even. You know, let's just say they agreed to 45 billion. That's a 15 billion dollar check for Disney. No, it's <laughs> And we're they are historically a company that likes to run at low leverage was at a leverage outside of their comfort zone. They're in a situation where their subscriber um, numbers have really stagnated. So perhaps there's outside influences that are, you know, influence that that oh, are holding that up. Not to mention Omicron, you know, the CDC yesterday recommending Omicron. against cruises. Omicron. Omicron. What did I say? Uh, Omicron. Not the right thing. You no, know, that's not something new for our podcast listeners. So, um, but what I was going to say is recommending against cruise travel, right? And so, you know, again, if, if you're thinking about Disney, how much do you want to outlay given sort of the uncertainties of the course of the next 12 to 18 months? And it's a big check to write. So, uh, look, I'm, I'll be surprised. It's, if it it's, gets- a, it's a strategic check, though. It's a very, very strategic check for them um, to get Comcast out of there and have real full control over Hulu, be able to really bring it into plus if they need to maybe that would i mean they're synthetically doing it through bundling but maybe that would be helpful um in terms of subscriber growth um we'll see we were obviously wrong but my guess is i i don't know if it's in the next 12 months it feels like it needs to be and we'll see my bet is that something happens because chapik can't let this go on forever to your point brandon it's too strategic let's move on to number two which was Amazon acquires Thursday Night Football and YouTube TV takes Sunday ticket. Well, we got half right. Amazon did acquire Thursday Night Football. Um, Oddly, I think none of us expected, and I know we've talked about it a lot on the podcast over the course of the last six months, no one's bought Sunday ticket yet. And we actually don't know the timeline for Sunday ticket. Uh, You know, we know that the NFL is now shopping their media package. So essentially- Well, uh, to to this- um, Amazon point, it, we believe, I mean, it's been written um, and we've been told that Amazon was acquiring what 49% of that media package. Correct. So that um, certainly so, shows that Amazon's interest in the NFL is, is scaling and sports, very quickly. And, and I think 2021 was a year where Amazon's interest in sports in general really, really accelerated. Um, and I would expect them to get even more aggressive in acquiring global sports rights in 2022. And vis-a-vis Sunday Ticket, we keep hearing that the front runners are Amazon and Disney. And we'll see kind of how that plays out. I have no idea what's holding it up at this point. I mean, look, sometimes these things get done sort of Super Bowl week, like there's big announcements signed right. Super Bowl week. So it could, this could be just a month early in terms of just when we find out. I also don't think you know, like I, I just wouldn't count Apple entirely out. I still think there's a lot of logic to why Apple for Sunday ticket as a premium product. They love premium products. This is one of the most premium products you could think of out there. They are clearly getting more aggressive with Apple TV. Look, I, I hear you. It, and you know, and just, it fits. It's, it's not really streaming. It's it's a discrete app. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you know, the Apple operating system is a collection of apps. <laughs> and look, and Walt has talked a lot about why services matter more and more to Apple. This is a high ticket. You know, this is three or $400 a year, millions of people. Like, I'm sure there'd be far more millions if it was done by Apple versus the way it's done today through DirecTV. We'll see. I, you know, it's just to, to me, if, if I'm sitting in the NFL shoes, I want more bidders. Disney is not, you know, selling it to ESPN plus is getting you an existing bidder. Even selling it to Amazon now is an existing bidder. If you can get someone like Apple to come in, and I know we were obviously, we said YouTube TV, which doesn't feel likely given sort of what no, the buzz has been. That's not but, where their head's at. Sure. But, but getting a new or incremental bidder 
would clearly be significant for the NFL in terms of the long term. So we'll say I my I think we'll know by Super Bowl week. That's my guess is that this has this will get wrapped up over the next couple of months. And then the only unknown thing is when Amazon does launch Thursday Night Football, will we get an infinite array of audio feeds to make Mr. Pisic happy? And we'll see. Um, let me just pull up number three, which is, um, Brandon, why don't you read this one? HBO slash HBO Max hit 50 million subscribers. I think that's possible, right? It, it is. I mean, no, no. Well, no, this one was frustrating because I feel like we nailed this one. They were at 47 million subscribers in June. AT&T was, you know, sort of, they were crushing expectations for HBO and HBO Max. But then they made the strategic decision late summer to abandon the Amazon channel store, which is the right strategic decision for HBO and HBO Max. But it obviously led to four to five million subscribers leaving. So the honest answer is it's probably going to be close. I mean, my guess is they probably don't get to the 50 domestic number. Maybe it's 47, 48. But, you know, uh, if not for a very important strategic decision, which we didn't know about last January yep. when, when we made this prediction. But, you know, the, the reality is having 48 million subscribers uh, or so is probably where they end up. It's a pretty big number relative to where expectations were a year ago. So, uh, you know, yes, it, we probably aren't right in this prediction, but I think we're super close. And I think structure, you know, directionally, we were we were pretty spot on. And I think it just speaks to, you know, how HBO really focused on making sure they were positioned to win long term. The big question now is obviously management's changing. The transaction's probably closing in the you know by the end of the first half of twenty two. What does David Zaslav want to do? You know, what is the structure of HBO Max going to look like? I don't think we know very much at all in terms of how they're going to, how they change, what they do. Do they do channel stores? Do they every, do day and date? Everything every, is up in the Every air. content partner thinks that they're going big, though, and that that partner is going to be the one who helps them go big. Well, everybody wants their money, right? It's a big, yeah. you know, everybody wants content spend. Seems bonus. like it's getting promised to them. We'll see it what happens. It seems like a very long time since people were complaining about the app and the content. If you look, you know, last night we were scrolling through some stuff. The app has steadily improved. There hasn't been some big reveals of, oh, here's the new update. It's steadily improved. Discovery's better. The original library of content continues to build. I ended up watching some rando series that they that they had stuck on there um last night so i think it's look they're they're a real player and i don't know um they have the momentum it's really zaslav's it can only probably screw it up at this point he just has to kind of go with the momentum and keep spinning that wheel on the thing so we'll see how that goes yeah the interesting thing is i was reading there was a couple of articles out last night actually of just how much the management team may change right like that so to your point walt like yes it, it clearly things definitely look like they're working like if you were to say who had the best domestic subscriber ads uh -oh. in the, you know, it's HBO Max. Every, I mean, they everyone, crushed it this year. Yeah. They crushed and, it. But it's, but it's quiet because everyone in the media and the investor world prefers to hate anything AT&T rather than just recognizing yeah. the fact that it's staring them right in the face. I think, a big, I think a that's big actually part. one of the best takeaways of 2021 is like, it's just incredible that they didn't get the credit for what they did. Which brings us well, into point number four. Um, or prediction number four, which is Verizon drops to last place in wireless phone net ads, which is precisely what happened. And the leader was AT&T in 2021 in terms of postpaid phone net ads. And Verizon was below even cable operators who had a moderated year. So in, even in the wireless space, um, AT&T had a, had a tremendous year. Um, and look, the stock was terrible, 10-year low, all that kind of stuff, but it outperformed T-Mobile. Um, I mean, we've got one more day unless T-Mobile has some random massive fucking rally. It outperformed um, T-Mobile on the year and certainly, um, you know, in the last several months, um, you know, since we started recommending this stock. Next. Uh, hold on. Uh, next one is uh, we got Roku, I believe. So we've got Roku raises equity to accelerate their original programming. You know, Roku did raise a billion dollars. They didn't raise, you know, billions of dollars, which we, you know, sort of thought probably they probably should have because 
I don't know. Their stock prices have since <laughs> that time. They, sh- they should have raised as much cash as they humanly could because I think all signs point to them doing more and more original programming. You know, even Tubi, you're reading more about Tubi doing original, like everyone is realizing they need to differentiate. But I think in this case, you know, you've got Amazon making TVs now. We didn't know that a year ago. The Omni series. Comcast rolled out TVs in the U.S. under the X-Class brand at Walmart. They rolled out Skyglass TVs in Europe. You know, Google has now started working with TCL in the U.S. with the Google TV in a more robust way. All signs point to the TV OS war getting very, very intense. I mean, it was some of the most read pieces we put out in 21. And so the whole premise was Roku, to differentiate, needs to do something because they're getting more and more competition. And so they need to differentiate with content. The age-old story, I mean, you know, we've looked at every sort of platform play tries to do that and differentiate with exclusive content. Roku bought the Quibi catalog. They've been making some TV shows. They've been making some movies. They bought this old house. Like they're definitely trying to acquire more and more content. They also want their own owned and operated um, ad units. Correct. So they need lots of content, right? right? Because none of this is subscription. All of this is ad supported. That's right. And the Roku channel is a place where they don't have to, you know, have splits. So that's part of it. Just building ad inventory. They've really, you know, become an ad tech company. Right. The The question is, is what is that? What happens to their market share of device unit sales going forward? I think basically the way you have to look at it is you just kind of divide up TV television market share and each of those televisions have an OS and that'll be where OS market share lands because dongles, you know, are pretty much um, going by the wayside at this point. So the only way for them to grab additional market share in advertising is either A, have much more owned and operated programming or more programming in general on the Roku channel where they have their own ad inventory, B, make an acquisition, which I don't know if that's completely off the table. At this I mean, they point. could buy. They could buy Lionsgate stars. I don't know if that fixes their no, problem. I don't. No, I don't think that's the type of acquisition I was talking about. I was talking about getting more vertical, right? Um, and getting you know further into the the hardware game into in televisions. Um, but meaning we'll like buy a, meaning like buy a Vizio would be like the idea. Like you actually have to buy the actual exactly. hardware itself. That's exactly what I'm alluding to. Onward and upward. We got Dish, Walt. You want to read it? Well, the headline for this is Dish's Spectrum is included in iPhone 13. And what I was specifically referring to, because much of Dish's Spectrum is already in the iPhone, but there is a Band 70, which has not been. This was wrong. Um, the iPhone, at least this year's iPhone, did not include Band 70. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. In this section, we have pictures of all the major leaders of big tech, because I kind of, we went on to write about how dishes position itself to be an obvious partner for big tech and interestingly we put in uh, bezos in there when we should have been putting in andy jassy because the reality is dish did make a very strong partnership this year i think that's very misunderstood by the market which we've talked about on our prior podcast and that could be a theme for 2022 as amazon telecom begins to unveil either through new partnerships or through the enterprise customers that Dish is going to start talking about in 2022, um, how they could change the telecom, they meaning Amazon, with Dish's help, um, change the the telecom market globally. So we'll, there'll, there'll be more to say about this, but, you know, bottom line, this prediction was in part wrong, <laughs> but I think directionally, um, you know, is Dish is fitting the bill. I, again, I just... I think that relationship is very misunderstood by the market, but we'll not enough time to talk about that here. This will play out <laughs> over the weeks and months to come, which we look forward to, to tracking closely. Next. We have in number seven, Disney releases all theatrical films day and date on Disney plus after um, premier access underwhelmed. Well, premier access did underwhelm. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> that The numbers were not great. Unfortunately for Disney, they actually did something we didn't expect, which is 
they actually went back and fully embraced a 45 day theatrical window for movies like Shang-Chi, um, for Eternals, West Side Story. Um, they really went hard back into theaters trying to, you know, I think in many ways sort of protect or save the theater industry. And unfortunately, it didn't really work. And or I get think it, multiple bites at the apple because they're Disney and they think yep. that their films, you know, if any films need to be seen in the theater, it's their films. And to a certain yep. extent, they're right, but probably the breadth of which films need to be seen in the theater has been overestimated by them. And some of those that were, you know, of lower interest probably should have been used um, in D+, especially given the stagnation um, in, in subscriber counts. And we go back to that whole idea, everyone who's a Marvel fan, everyone who's a Star Wars fan is, is on Disney+. Plus. But if you look at subscriber patterns, people do churn on and off of services as they're um, as there are things that they want to watch. Um, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see what no, but, Disney but, but just decides to, that to point. do going back to the idea of this new JPEG era where he's going to really install all of his lieutenants and Iger is going to leave the company. We'll see how that plays out in 22. Yeah. I mean, my kids rented or not, sorry, my kids watched on Disney plus, uh, they watched Encanto because it, you know, it got through its theatrical window and w it opened up on Disney Plus on on Christmas Day. I think they watched it two nights ago, and they were like, "It was one of the worst animated movies they've seen in a very long time." <laughs> but, but, but my point of that story is, like, there's a reason why it didn't work well in theaters, right? Like, there's a reason why Spider Man, which you know, Walt and his kids say this is probably one of the best movies they've ever seen compared to a movie like Encanto and sort of the problem you run into is like, do you only put bad movies directly onto streaming or do you put all movies onto streaming because you have to build in that there's good and bad. You can't just cherry pick and say, well, the good ones we put in movie theaters because we want to double dip and all the shit movies. Well, I th we put no, onto I, th streaming. I, I think it's about if something's an event that, you know, people are going to gather for um, it needs to be in the theater and if right. not, the question is, is not. how many of those films are there a year? That's really the question. There's, there's only a few. And then, you know, we could talk ad nauseum as we have about the theatrical yes, industry and, and what that means. Yeah. I just so. point out that they're still filling the theaters for Spider-Man. And then secondly, in Crazy. terms of that core, uh, that core kind of Marvel star Wars fan, mm -hmm. the, the cadence of content, has been good. I mean, you know, you've had whatever the last one was ended. Now Book of Boba Hawkeye. Fett. Hawkeye ended, which was good. Boba Fett started, which is good. And there was like a week in between. No one's canceling for that week. Again, the point is like, can you create the same? Can they just find a find a new category and create the same type of cadence? It's, it's just harder when you don't have an installed base of, of, of Star Wars and Marvel fans that tolerate maybe one or two episodes that are not so great because they, they want to continue to follow a specific storyline. And, and at some point during that five or six episode series, they're given something that's made it worthwhile for them to continue on with continuing to watch each of the series that they release. Brandon, why don't you read um, IDFA? Eight, Apple's IDFA opt-in causes wide ranging pain, accelerating a push to subscriptions. Oh, did it cause pain this year? Um, I think if you take a spin through the stock price charts of, <laughs> of some of the, um, especially social apps that are reliant on IDFA for advertising, um, you could see that pain. There are especially things like um, Snap, I think is, it has really gotten it the worst um, in Twitter. But, 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 but even things even like Facebook. Zynga, I mean, remember Zynga. And oh, some of the uh, no, social all gaming. The, all the social game companies, um, you talk about Facebook, they have the tools and the infrastructure and the first party data to really get around um, a lot of these problems, but they're still feeling the pain. And we talk about um, the shift from Facebook to Meta this year and really what kind of accelerated that push. Um, I think part of it was the fact that 
Mark was like, I'm beholden to an operating system. I want to be the next operating system and make these decisions. Um, well, because I think in, in our heart of hearts Meta is born. No, but I think in so many ways, Brandon, we thought the platform, I mean, you know, we thought platform was king. I mean, we wrote a whole piece, remember content versus distribution. And we sort of went in and did that whole presentation years ago of how platform was king and how, whether that was Facebook or Spotify, well, like Netflix. By the way, it, it was for a long time. Right. Uh, yes. The and is, and then you this, learn that this you... hierarchy of leeches that that I like to say. And, you know, the host at the end of the day is the operating system. And you're, you see that play out over all sorts of devices. We wrote about it with regard to Roku and what it means to own the TV operating system. We've discussed Microsoft. Um, we talked about. Um, of course, the, the mobile operating systems and what the next operating system is going to be. So, yeah, I just think we never really thought of, we didn't really put enough thought historically into how that OS could really take a bite and impact change. And there's no doubt Tim Cook forced Mark Zuckerberg and the industry to make massive changes that they didn't want to make. Yep. You can, for whatever the reason, whether it was good, whether you believe in those reasons for those changes or not, they clearly won. There's no doubt they forced dramatic change. That is true. Why don't we uh, stick with Brandon on um, a little gaming or interactive media, I should say. So number nine. Experiences. <laughs> Experience. <laughs> The building blocks of metaverse. Yes. Um, interactive media platforms become critical for marketers and distribution of content. And I think this is one that you're really actually starting to see play out. Um, a big part of Roblox's analyst day was talking about marketing and shepherding brands onto the platform. There have been a number of brands on that platform as well as in Fortnite that really experimented this year, you saw, you've seen um, Netflix have you know, pretty successful interactive experience there. Gucci Gardens, um, Gucci, a brand you'd never expect to be in Roblox. Um, probably a shining example as, as they sold um, digital goods, which are going for many, many more dollars in the secondary market there. Nike launching on platform. And I think this is a theme you'll really see continue to play out in 2022 as 3D interactive experiences become even more broader based than they did in 21. The word metaverse, I don't think was something we really used a whole lot a year ago when we started, or when we started I mean, 2021. It's, some, it's, something, it's something we wrote about um, of course, we are always very careful to say the building blocks of metaverse because, you know, definitionally we are so far from uh, what a metaverse would be. But um, it, it was a bastardized. No, it, was just, word. it was just funny, like how it's become sort of like, you know, there was an index created yesterday. There, you know, another ETF. Um, a metaverse ETF that was created Another and it had one. companies. Yes. And it had companies like William Sonoma and Fubo TV inside of it. And it was just yeah. like, what in like it's everyone a is the it's, metaverse. It's, it's a, it's a buzzword and a marketing term and really yeah, an it's, IR term. Um, it's almost becoming, point. it's almost becoming stupid, honestly. Like it literally is like jumping. It's ridiculous. Okay, Can't wait to all through. these people that bought their, uh, they're, what do they call those goggles? Oculus. Oculus. Oh, that's that's something they start you know. Vomiting and 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 well, we we and like the about like that. the Peloton. You, they will be sitting and collecting <laughs> dust within six fucking months. Did you see my CNBC hit this week? No, yes. is that what you okay. said? Did you, did you bring up Peloton? No, but, but we <laughs> talked about Oculus. I think actually really sold well um, sure. over Christmas. It sure. was the number one app in the App Store, mm -hmm. and on my hit, I you know. I said I went back to um, the host and I was like, "Would you, because they got um, them, would would you want to spend all day in the metaverse?" And uh, Sarah was like, "I spent 15 minutes in it <laughs> with that headset on, and that was enough." <laughs> I started to get nauseous. By so, the way, I don't know where Oculus problem. is. I don't know where Oculus is in the App Store, but it's certainly not in the top hundred today. So 
you know, I think it's important that anybody it's a Christmas gift. Yeah, yeah. Uh, once you get yeah. it for Christmas, then you activate it. So today's yeah, not Christmas. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, why is that a surprise? You think people wait to open up their Oculus? <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to open up my Oculus gift today. Like kids rip that shit open. Well, right I away. waited like a year to open my first Oculus. <laughs> yeah, you're not a normal person in many ways. Brandon. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, uh, I know what happened to that Oculus. I think I re-gifted it to Jason. <laughs> this is just not I'm, one of those I'm, things that is you're going to have a sustained purchase. And no, you know, I we'll just, just can't see. believe. We'll just, let me finish. <laughs> I just think we'll see if there's actually sustained usage on it, which I I enjoyed the Oculus a great deal. But like, and Brandon, remember, used to ask me every week, are you still using it? Are you still using it? And, and ultimately, no, well, I didn't. Well, I'm asking it. you right now. <laughs> I mean, I can Are see it sitting right it? there, and it's got about a quarter inch of dust on it. So, <laughs> thankfully, I never ended up buying a Peloton, where everyone's using as a clothes hanger today. How's that stock doing again? Down what, eighty percent? Can we get a stat check on that, Joe? Who Who Joe. is the liker of that one? All right, let's go on. We, too bad we didn't have that in our predictions. All right, let's All right, move on. Here What's next? Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a media um, company. Google achieves dominance of connected TV ad spend. This one, I don't think could have been more accurate in terms of just how explosive YouTube's growth was. I think all throughout the year, we were writing about and seeing On the numbers television come out especially. Because of connected TV, like YouTube is exploding on the television. The ad spend on the TV is exploding. They're funneling. It represents roughly 22, 23% of connected TV time spent. There was a battle that played out a few weeks ago where, you know, Roku was potentially at risk of losing YouTube. It sounds like YouTube essentially got what they wanted um, from Roku, meaning didn't give an ad share, did get a lot of technology specs that they were important to, you you know, to YouTube. YouTube is a monster. It's the ad, you know, everyone talks about AVOD and ad supported connected TV and all that ad tech. The reality is there's one company that is just dominant and it's Google YouTube. Like that's, that is where most connected advertising. Yes, there's Pluto and yes, there's Tubi and yes, there's the Roku channel, but no one's even close to Google and the pace at which it's growing. I just think the, the, the market doesn't pay enough attention when they look at all these other companies and they get so excited about whether it's Tubi or Pluto and whatever, and they're just missing how much time spent and how much dollars are flowing to Google. And I think, you know, we've been underwhelmed. I think the one place we've been underwhelmed is that Google hasn't really marketed its Google television product um, substantially. You know, they've gotten into- more, And know, the execution as they got integrated into more has not been spot. Correct. They've actually had pulled back on some devices that were the, where the integration wasn't perfect, where the OS embed wasn't perfect. But, you know, from my standpoint, using the product it's still by far the best product on the market. It's just incredible how good it is. And it'll be interesting to see how, you know, what happens in 22. Do they finally make a marketing push? It's been sort of surprising to us. They haven't. Um, number 20, sorry, number 11 is um, Spotify, where I think Brandon, I think we got the concept right, which is advertising. Number eleven. Well, number eleven is podcast ad spend gaps up, and Apple launches podcast subscriptions. So, Apple did launch subscriptions for podcasts. They ended up, you know, this is not a catch-all subscription; it was individual subscriptions for individual experiences, uh, much like Patreon does. And Spotify actually followed suit, and so basically everyone is offering subscriptions to top podcasters. I don't think it's been terribly meaningful for podcasters. Um, you know, ad spend has certainly continued to gap up, but I think the bigger story is Spotify moved from being podcast advertising focused to just being overall Spotify advertising focused. And they've been a lot more focused on the ad side. And I think with TV in trouble, linear TV in trouble, I think with it just getting harder and harder to reach consumers, I think the advertising interest in the Spotify platform has exploded over the last six months. And it's probably been the biggest story underlying Spotify stock has been the ad side. And part of that's podcasting for sure. But I think it goes beyond. I think we don't capture that in the title here or in the, in the point. We don't capture the broader advertising push at Spotify. Number 12. Uh, you can read it because it sort of gets into your... Um, this is sort of the metaverse without saying metaverse, Brandon. Yeah, Snapchat reaches 500,000 advertisers and Bitmoji's importance grows. 
um, we have no idea how many advertisers um, Snap has. One thing we do know is that with all of their all the trouble that they've had recently, the number of unique advertisers on platform has actually continued to grow. Um, and I think the Bitmoji piece of this really talked to how Snap has been putting together building blocks of metaverse, even as outwardly um, Evan, you know, kind of disses on the metaverse. And I don't think Bitmoji itself became the universal avatar or even close to it um, in 2021, um, but it will be a strategic asset for them as they put that together with uh, their AR capabilities. And I think that our listeners should really look out for what happens with the map because currently the map is a representation of the physical world, but our guess is it will expand to have you know, virtual only places um, included in the map. And some of the th interesting things you've seen in their games, which haven't also really taken off, um, but the way emojis interact in 3D space and move around 3D space um, will probably get integrated into the map. And um, you'll start to see um, something resembling um, the 3D interactive worlds metaverse building blocks that we have spoken about at nauseum. It's also interesting. We found out recently that TikTok has somewhere around 350,000 advertisers on platform. And that number was, Crazy. I think, a lot, I think it was a lot bigger than people expected it to be. And so the question is, is where does that put Snap? I don't know if that means Snap is bigger or smaller. I don't really know. Um, you know, Snap has obviously done a great job of expanding overseas, but I think in terms of, you know, a lot of their self-serve products, I think they're still in process and building. And so the small business numbers, remember everybody pales in comparison, Facebook's over 10 million advertisers. And so, you know, how do you really get advertising dollars to explode exponentially over the next X number of years? It's, it's why we believe Snap can grow at 50% plus for years to come is because their advertiser count is still, you know, tiny compared to the competitive set. I wanna get back to sort of the idea of the map and first party data. The map for expanding the number of advertisers is it very, very strategic because it unlocks local advertising. Um, we've heard things like Snap is able to <laughs> go into local retailers and predict accurately their store traffic um, based on map usage. It, it is an asset um, that we should watch both for its you know, advertising, um, what it unlocks on an ad and first party data basis, and also in terms of their 3D ambitions. Yeah, I don't think people really understand. And I think if you're the core user, like I don't use the Snap map, like I don't put myself as public, but I think the- You don't really use Snap though. You're not in the core correct. demo. Correct. That's but it. The core I mean, demo. You don't, you I, don't have a social network on it. But when I look at my 14-year-old's phone and I see her open up the Snap map, the how she uses it to figure out where her friends are, what they're doing, who they're with, like the just the overall usage and just the number of people that are, are congregating in that Snap map, it does, to your point, it does feel a little metaverse because you, you see sort of these virtual representations and presence of all of these people. It's just, it's fascinating to kind of watch when, when you're actually an active user versus um, sort of a, you know, someone like me, who's just old. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The next one is MGM, which we certainly got right that they finally actually sold themselves. I think this, we had MGM being sold for a number of years has been in some way included, usually as like sort of a throwaway prediction at the very end of our post, rather than sort of a central one of our top um top predictions this year we made it a top prediction however we got the company who bought it wrong we really thought it was going to be comcast nbc universal they had bought dreamworks several years ago they clearly don't have enough content for peacock we still feel very strongly that they don't um, remember we thought that they should have been someone who was um, merging with warner media obviously warner media went in an entirely different direction um, with the discovery transaction and i'm still surprised honestly that nbc doesn't want more content and that this went to Amazon. But to Brandon's point at the very beginning, where he was talking about, you know, Amazon's building sports, sports ambitions, 
their just overall content ambitions are skyrocketing. It ties in. And I think, you know, what I don't think people are paying enough attention to is all of this ties into their TV ambitions because the TV side of it brings advertising, brings more subscriptions. The, the, there's a reason why you're doing a, an Amazon Omni series TV, why you're buying Sunday night, or sorry, buying Thursday night football, why you're buying 49% of the NFL media package, why you're buying MGM. Like there is a much bigger play here in media that is not being talked about enough among media investors from my perspective. The one thing um, that hasn't been talked about by us here is, is that MGM Amazon deal actually going to close. Uh, the regulatory environment has become much tougher for the tech giants, especially in Europe, where you saw even the gift fee transaction um, for Facebook meta um, <laughs> getting undone. Um, so uh, let's see if this even closes. And maybe perhaps NBCU gets another crack at the, um, at the apple, if that's the phrase. I guess anything is I guess anything is possible. It doesn't feel like we've seen a lot of noise about that transaction in the last few months. We did originally. It's been relatively quiet. I mean, I guess look, it's but why, a little why hasn't it closed? It's not a it's not a crazy big transaction. It's it's a really good question. I don't know. It's just you know, to me, Disney can buy Fox, Discovery can merge with Warner Media. Amazon yeah. can't buy a movie studio that's like a you movie studio though, that barely Rich, makes a movie studio that barely makes movies. Let's just be clear. They barely make movies. All of the tech giants are under regulatory scrutiny, period. That's fair. What's our okay. next one? Number 14, creator direct to consumer platforms see exponential growth. This was really just talking about how there is this, you know, really robust growth of whether it was OnlyFans or Patreon, you know, there's speculation that Patreon's yep. going public. Like there is, you know, there's no doubt that we're seeing every single platform we cover. And we talked a little bit earlier about Spotify and, and Apple creating subscriptions. Everybody that is catering to creators is looking for more ways to help creators make money. Heck, even Snapchat with Spotlight, right? Like every single platform is figuring out how they can help creators make money. And I think in many ways, like 2021 was sort of the year of the creator. Like we saw all of this focus of how do we help creators make money? Um, they were already creating a lot of content. How do we actually help them make money and, and not just give them small tokens of ad share? And how do we actually you know, create those businesses? I, I think a key word you just brought up was token. And one of the things that didn't make it into our top 21 predictions was anything that had to do with web great and i think what you did see an area of direct to consumer that really worked was in the art world um, this year in terms of digital art and using the blockchain to facilitate that so that's something that has really you know exploded uh, to use the term in 2021 in the creator economy. Number 15 is Apple TV plus content budget soars to 5 billion. It's probably above that now, but there's no doubt that, you know, I think 2021 put Apple TV plus on the map. I mean, Ted Lasso, Halloween costumes, people talking about Ted Lasso, um, just more and more content. It was sort of hard to avoid Apple TV Plus this year. They just had enough content. Still don't have a deep library, but they had more than enough content for people to be talking about it. And, you know, from everything we've met with recently, Brandon, like 2022 is going to be crazy as you start to get into yeah. animated features, a lot more, you know, very high profile content, you know, just like Scorsese did his big movie with, with Netflix uh, a couple of years ago that, you know, helped put Netflix movies, you know, and, and start that process. We got They're the Jerry the Garcia thing. movie coming. We do um, have the Jerry Garcia. Uh, I know that's. <laughs> I know that's what you're on Apple for. TV. But in our most recent trip um, to Los Angeles, and we brought it up vis-a-vis Zaz earlier, um, one of the huge themes was Apple writing big, big checks everywhere, and especially on the movie side. And there will be a number of high-profile movie releases coming out of Apple in the next couple of years. 
you know, I just think everywhere we went, people were talking about Apple in a way that they weren't. Apple and Zaz. That was like, who's going to spend? Those those were the uh, the two um, hopes for um, for Hollywood. You want to read our next one? Sports teams and leagues need new revenue streams as media rights start to disappoint. Wrong. That's really way hasn't wrong. happened. <laughs> That, I think I'm going to take the bullet for this one because I'm the one um, who made the prediction vis-a-vis, especially the NHL, the NHL deal. They wound up splitting up the rights and taking, you know, strategically taking the out-of-market games and putting them onto ESPN Plus, but they were able to unlock a lot of value that way. And every single deal that comes up, um, the Walt loves to talk about his his soccer, um, recent soccer deals, explosion, and internationally things are soft, but there are some red hot markets like India, um, where we will see IPL um, play out. And <laughs> with regard to India, that's another area where Disney is going to have to write a very substantial check to keep their um, initiatives going. But sports in general, um, sports in general has has uh, has actually you know kind of come back in terms of viewership. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the reality is from the standpoint of of sports rights, everyone is still spending because it's sort of the only thing that's working, and they've sort of given up on anything non sports, and so. In, any way, in many ways, they're funneling all of their remaining spending capacity towards sports. And so the question becomes, how long is that sustainable? Like, when does the, the dollars available, sh- you know, when do you hit enough wall in terms of whether it's loss of subscribers or shrinking of advertising? When do you actually have to scale back spending? It hasn't happened yet, to your point, Brandon. But I think that's going to be the real question to look for. Um, you know, maybe no, at, at a, no, at a certain point, the whole it model breaks. is it no breaks. longer going to become feasible and it's going to break. But into that break, you're going to get more and more spending. It's something that we saw in the sort of general entertainment content before <laughs> all the networks said, whoa, um, we can't afford to spend on all of this programming anymore. We're actually gonna go the other way and cut back and try and maximize cash flow. Uh, you will probably see that over time with regard to sports rights, but we are not there yet. Okay, number, the, the next one is the Brandon special because he fucking nailed what? this. Oh, oh he hey nailed this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no. Hey, Brandon hey. Ross, Brandon Ross deserves credit for nailing the headline. Go ahead. I mean, I don't think this was a very difficult one. This was not an out-of-the-box prediction, Rich. Live events return strong, movie theaters struggle. And yes, I mean, you see it reflected in Live Nation stock price. Um, but in the U.S. and in the U.K., especially um, the return to live events has been pretty monumental. And as we look ahead to 2022, um, you're going to see record years, even if parts of the international puzzle don't return. Now, um, Omicron did happen, and there were a bunch of show cancellations. I have every podcast I have to bring up fish. Normally tonight, I would be spending it at the garden. Unfortunately, I'm going to be watching their dinner and a movie broadcast from some random Wait studio a minute. in Pennsylvania. You were going to watch, you were going to go to fish and not watch the Michigan game? Oh, That's no. Impressive. Of course I was going to go to, but I, I had a situation at fish where that would have allowed me to participate in both. A cell phone? Um, no, oh. a, a sweet situation. Oh. Um, <laughs> Is that what fish does? I thought the fish were, it was like the dead, you know, men of the people and, you know, no, I don't. I don't think anyone's of the people anymore. I think people just like to go see bands and have a good fucking time and watch football. <laughs> and uh, and we'll watch football. But the Michigan, you did bring it up, Walt. The Michigan game is tonight against Georgia. Um, we'll 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 see if they're for What's, real. Do we know what not. the spread is on that? I think it isn't Georgia favored by like nine or 10 or 10 and a half, something wow. in that range. I've seen it kind of like bounce around a little bit. Can we get, um, can we get the peanut gallery to give us a number on that? And I'll, I'll voice. <laughs> my opinion. 
And I think I, I think I'd take anything plus. It's set, it's down to seven and a half. Yeah. Well, that's probably because Michigan fans are moving the line. So I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take the seven and a half. I'm sorry. I will give the seven and a half if that was. You're going to give this. So yeah. you're going to take Georgia. I mean, it's it's a problem though because Georgia is kind of a choking <clears throat> university when it comes to end of the season bowl games. So, um, but I don't know. Maybe they can run them out of the stadium. We'll say. We will see. I mean, Michigan's defense is. Yeah, that guy is amazing. In Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Yeah. yeah. At he least it's amazing. not canceled like half these other bowl games. Although I will say it's actually gonna happen. That's who gets uh, Sa- to Saquon Barkley was also amazing, but last week it seemed like he got tackled from behind multiple times. So mm. he is terrible. You love Saquon Wall. I, I do Saquon was Saquon one of my favorite players in the world. This injury is, he is it was it was I was actually disappointed for him because I do like him as a player a lot, even though he's a giant, and it was sad to see him get tackled from behind against the Eagles he's, last week. He's, no, yeah. he's absolutely finished. Um, well, not absolutely. Give him another year. Uh, maybe, maybe next year he'll come you, back you stronger. Th- you think so? I don't yeah, know. I don't, I know I, I need to not, you know, speak in absolute so much. Just give him another, <laughs> just give him another year. We all thought Carson was done after his first year after energy. He's putting up a, he's a better having a season. Great, well, you he's know, he's getting a hundred yards good, now. A great three, season. hundred yards a game, but, something like that. Yeah. yeah. That indie the year that yeah. they're having is not i mean it kind of reminds me a little bit of that um baltimore ravens team i think it was in 2000 yeah um that beat the, the or blew out the giants yeah and the quarterback was just kind of a game manager yeah. i think it was dilfer actually um dilfer. and they had trent dilfer i think they had that explosive defense and a pretty good running game um which is well Indy's running game. Frank Reich is a great coach. Let's just and, let's, and, let's yeah, just leave it is. there and move on to the he, next point. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's our sports talk segment for the week. Uh, number eighteen, legacy media stops investing in TV everywhere as D to C takes center stage. Obviously, this played out because you saw basically 100%. every single media company basically shifted to D to C. I mean, Viacom, <laughs> CBS, Discovery, one by one, every single company's focus moved to D to C, and they basically. They don't even talk about their shows on linear TV. I mean, the only show really on linear TV that anyone even talks about is Yellowstone, right? Which is, you know, it's funny. It's a, it's a Viacom show um, that runs on linear. It's really the last show that anyone really is. There's really any conversation about everything else, all the new content, all the exciting stuff that people care about is basically now being pushed to D to C. So this was sort of the, you know, to me, 2021 really was the end of sort of, linear slash TV everywhere for general entertainment, not sports yet. Obviously you're all going to watch Michigan on linear TV tonight, but um, it really was a demarcation line in terms of the, the shift of all important content, you know, Walt watching Boba Fett on Disney plus, like there's nothing on linear TV. I just love general entertainment. Boba Fett. Um, did, did I, I say it right? Sport, did I say yeah. it right? Sports. And you did bring up sports and sports is being viewed on linear TV. But one thing we haven't spoken about is the local sports model, um, which was a big theme in 2021. And the real breakdown of the RSN structure, the struggles that St. Clair has had, and their attempt to move local sports into a DTC world. And the leagues not really playing ball no pun intended outside of the nhl um, with those ambitions and i think that's going to be a big theme for 2022 um, where local sports kind of ends up and how the leagues influence it moving right along sticking with you brandon number 19 number 19 Call of Duty multi-experience paradigm replicated and imitated. Um, I think that Activision Blizzard wishes that this was <laughs> the uh, the um, thing that they were known for in 2021. In fact, that didn't <laughs> that, that didn't really happen. But 2021 turned out to be a very difficult year um for activision blizzard as they are sort of the the chickens are coming to roost for some of the internal behaviors um that happened there and kind of the blind eye that management took to that 
Um, that company is obviously in turmoil. No idea whether or not Bobby Kotick is going to be there next year. It kind of feels like he has written this little thing out. Um, and the public markets have kind of forgotten about it a little bit. We haven't heard anything out of their partners and like he might actually survive. So we'll see that um, in 2022. But um, the ability to replicate that Call of Duty paradigm in their other games has certainly been delayed by the exodus of employees at that company. This is not the year Activision expected. I think we can say that pretty soon. By simply. the way, Call of Duty itself disappointed. I think you've actually seen pretty broad disappointment across um, – you know, for the U.S. publishers uh, in holiday at Battlefield 1942 didn't really play out the way EA um, thought it was going to. And in terms of this interactive space, like the, the focus is really on these um, UGC and now professional developer created pl platforms, centralized platforms. We, we have about 15 hours left in this year. It looks, I guess on the West Coast, maybe we have 18 hours left. It does look like Bobby Kodak survives 2021, Brandon. Well, he definitely will survive 2021. I don't know. What? Never, never, never doubt the power of the Friday or the, the New Year's <laughs> Eve news dump. Uh, that, uh, fair, fair. You never know. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wait to see who dumps it. I think there was a bunch of AMC insider sale filing. So, um, you know. AMC. Yeah, Another yeah. theme of 2021. Okay, let's move Eight. on. Number 20. Walter, this one you Our got number, right very early. The, well, not necessarily. Number 20th. Well, yeah, in terms of, I guess, announcing it. Our 20th prediction was Verizon sells the media assets. And we had this nice slide in there when they were Nailed doing it. The, yeah, that, was, <laughs> that happened. And it just, I think just closed in Q3. Um, so, in fact, Verizon did not create the Viacom of tomorrow, as they suggested in a slide in 2016. The Viacom of tomorrow. The fact that they were aspirationally wanting to be the Viacom of tomorrow. That was one of the best slides ever. Is <laughs> that was Marnie, right? That was Marnie? I believe that's true. Um, but look, you know, the bigger story in terms of telco sale of media assets was AT&T under the under the stewardship of um john stanky just dumping everything uh, to become a comms company as we enter 2022 including um selling xander um well selling i guess is probably can we use the word selling do they get cash for xander they did i believe they oh. did okay yeah okay so selling well there was a, a, sub a billion dollars latin american business well i don't know if it was disclosed rich so uh, you know hmm. Maybe there was some cash, but anyway, becoming a more. They certainly focused. got the losses off their books. Well, I don't know. You want losses on your books to whatever to get. And by the way, um, <laughs> this week got a favorable letter from the IRS. So full steam ahead on punting um, HBO, Time Warner, whatever you want to call it, the Warner Bros off to uh, Mr. Zasloff. So, you know, AT&T is going to look like a much different company when we're um, talking about this at this time next year. On to our final prediction of 2021. Which is a weird one. And, and then, by the way, after we're done with this, I have a surprise. So, so it's not that big of a surprise, but it's something I just thought of. Oh, my goodness. This you is read hilarious. it, Brandon. You read why, it. Why, why, why? Donald Trump launches DTC media platform. Um, I mean, he does have a SPAC. He does have a SPAC. He's raising counts. billions of dollars. It, I, I, counts. I think that counts. Yes, it I, does. I think, I, I think it did happen. Okay. So this is what I, we're supposed to end here. But what I thought we should do is each kind of like go around and talk about the one topic that dominated in 2021 or each choose one topic that dominated in 2021 that we didn't talk about. And I thought we should start with Rich. What, what's on your mind? Uh, 
topic that we didn't talk about talk about in our predictions in our predictions for 21 that had a big big part of of 2021 well i mean look i think it goes back i mean i think we probably all maybe have the same one right i mean it's sort of there was no way if you were to think about the wildest possible scenarios nobody would have thought we would be ending 21 with David Zaslav splashed on every Hollywood cover, every agent talking about it. Like the fact that discovery effectively took over, you know, David versus Goliath, like that you're literally, David, right? Like that David literally, you know, has ascended to the top of the media food chain and is a media mogul. The guy who started off by showing monkeys doing it, do it like they do on the discovery channel. that should have been our last song that should have been our final song um hey, no um, but i think that is real, the, I mean, it really is taking over the media world right that i'm very disappointed in you because speaking of monkeys or apes i thought that you were going to talk about the amc situation because well, we kind of knew that AMC. going into the did, did, what, was, what was the timing of that we kind of knew that at the end of last year right this thing's been going on for a while the memification of investing, um, right? Is, is time but what, such as a- but, but what happened with, I, with Adam, I think that stock, yeah. or I think Rich put a sell on it. It was- March. March. It was in so March. Wrong. It was, it was yeah. the day after I got engaged. And I remember being in Montana and Rich being like, we have to write this up. <laughs> So I think March was was the, was the time that that really um, started um, to peak. But it, it it took a lot of mind share for our team. If you go back and listen to our podcast this year, what went on with AMC, um, the way investing has changed, and the way Adam Aaron is trying to pivot um, pivot that company by giving out. Um, uh, NFTs, <laughs> AMC and, and GameStop. I would just say the memification, which you know, could extend to names other than just those two. If you look at some of these large Fang stocks, they've, to a certain extent, achieved memification um, interest valuations. However, you want to describe it. Um, so yeah, that's that's certainly been something that's that's been prevalent among the investor base in 2021. We'll see how people make money on that one way or the other on, in 2022. And then the research, I the one I brought up earlier, but um, this sort of resurgence of interest in the blockchain, and especially um, the Ethereum base, and then obviously the level two um, blockchains on top of it, um, and the kind of scramble to figure out the right use cases for that technology. Um, again, it's really, really hit home in the art world. Um, in speculation, but in 2022, we'll see if there are actually broad-based consumer uses of the blockchain um, that we see. There's still a very limited number of crypto wallets out there and a lot of venture dollars that are being put to work in trying to unlock things in games all across everywhere. So I think that's the other. Um, And then finally, Rich is playing the Eld Lang sign. A this, is like, no, this is like uh, the latest Larry David episode. Sorry, this is a spoiler, but you should be watching every Larry David episode where he's like, he starts singing da 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 da, like to play people out yeah. that talk too long. Da da no. da 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 da. Well, I mean, Brandon is a little long winded. I mean, we, it's well, not a you, new thing. If, so, if you, Rich, if you could just hold the music for a second on a serious note, um, I just wanted to thank all our podcast listeners for being with us um, in 2021 and, you know, kind of sharing this crazy adventure that we're on in following the TMT world. And also the podcast has been a place for us, you know, to at times be vulnerable, talk about things that are going on in our lives. And there was a lot of support um, during some you know, good and bad times that were thrown in by our podcast listeners. So thank you for that also. And I don't thank you guys, Rich and Walt and Mark and Joe enough um, for being, you know, such for a tolerating great team. you for tolerating me, but being <laughs> such a great team and um, any kind of chance that I get to 
to say thank you. Uh, I want to. Oh, so. this must, that, might have been, that must have been such a vacation you had. Look at you. No, I, I, Can we I, put... I, I, I like to thank our listeners, and if they want to thank us back, maybe we should put my crypto wallet uh, in, our, <laughs> in our in the comment sections of our, Walt of our, of our video. ETH. No, it's like it's a lot of letters and numbers, but the crypto would do. I, I accept uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, um, Helium, whatever you want to send. Helium. I think I need a different wallet for each of this. Yeah, send me some Helium tokens. Um, All right, Richie can read. And that's a let's. Let's play the old Lang sign because, and of course, it is the, the, the tray version because there's no better. That's a wrap, everyone, on 2021. Have a great we'll see you Happy in New 2022. Year. Happy New Year.